Section 18 of The Crime of the French Café and Other Stories This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. The Crime of the French Café and Other Stories by Nicholas Carter. Nick Carter's Ghost Story, Chapter 8 patsy's story and the test proposed are you much hurt asked patsy anxiously nick took in the whole scene before he replied beside the bed were colonel richmond horace and a man whom nick rightly judged to be a doctor no said nick i'm not much hurt except in my feelings what happened patsy the ghost got away responded the young man in a tone of disgust "'I wouldn't talk very much,' said Colonel Richmond. "'The doctor says that you have been subjected to a severe nervous shock, and—' "'My grandmother's ducks!' exclaimed Nick. "'Nervous shock? Well, this makes me worse. "'Why, man, I've been sandbagged.' "'The colonel shook his head. "'The power of the unseen forces,' he began, but Nick interrupted him. "'Look here, Colonel Richmond,' he said. If you had the sensation behind your ear that I've got, you wouldn't talk about mysterious powers of darkness. I know what's the matter with me, and what I want is a chance to get square. There is no evidence of any injury, said the physician. There never is in a case of this kind, rejoined Nick. A sandbag doesn't leave any mark. That's why it is so popular. It is impossible to convince a stubborn man, said the colonel. I should think that this experience would have been enough. Quite enough, thank you, responded Nick, sitting up. And so, if you gentlemen who kindly put me to bed will gracefully withdraw, I will get into my clothes and prove to you that I have had enough and that it is somebody else's turn now. He made them leave him with Patsy. Then he began to dress. Now, tell me your story, he said. When I jumped for that spook, Patsy began, I got the fearfulest thump on my crust that I've had since that marlin spike fell off the main yard onto me in the little affair of the five kernels of corn. It couldn't have been a marker to what you got afterward, though. I went down, but not out. You saw me draw my gun. Well, when you yelled, Don't fire, I held off. But when I saw you go out... I decided that all orders of that kind were cancelled. I blazed away, and, Nick, I put five bullets through that figure just as sure as you're an inch high. What happened then? The light went out. I got to your side and flashed your lantern in half a second. The figure had vanished. The colonel's lamp stood on the sideboard just where he had put it. We had a fair light very soon. I examined you first, and, upon my word, I thought that you were done for. We got you up to this room, and Horace Richmond rode off for the doctor. From what he said about a nervous shock, you can judge how much he knows. His help wasn't worth anything. I will back myself against him any day. I made sure that you were only stunned, and would come to all right. Then I hurried down to that room and began my search. Well, you know that room. 
it is simply built up of traps and panels a man can go through the floor or the walls almost anywhere my job would have been a good deal easier if there had been less of that secret machinery when there are five hundred ways in which a thing could have been done it's pretty hard to say which one is right there's a trap pretty nearly in the spot where the figure stood probably she came up and went down through that but how about my shooting there's the point i took a direct line from the place where i was to the trap following that line i came to the screen in front of the fireplace in that screen and about four and a half feet from the floor were three bullets from my pistol the other two are not there then as i figure it out that ghost has carried them away my shooting was pretty good considering the light the three bullets were in the bigness of a watch crystal i feel sure that the other two were aimed just as well if that's true then one of the conspirators has some mighty serious wounds three went through her and she stopped too but there isn't a drop of blood to be found the passage under the trap i have explored thoroughly i can't find a human being or a trace of blood or any of the machinery which they must have used for the light or the ghost of course the failure to find traces of the conspirators is not strange these passages are so long and so intricate and so mighty well gotten up that i haven't had time to go through them all but the wounded person is another matter where she is hidden is more than i can imagine i hope it wasn't miss stevens said nick you called her name yes i thought the chances were that it was she but of course i couldn't recognize her in that rig for certain well if it was she of course we shall find it out it's impossible for her to carry those two bullets round with her and not show it nick was dressed by this time they went out into the hall of the new park nick had been taken to a room there instead of being carried to that which had been assigned to him in the old part of the house from below came the sound of voices the colonel the doctor and mrs pond were talking of the case patsy stopped before a closed door in the upper hall a sign from patsy arrested nick's attention he communicated to nick in their silent language that's horace's room isn't it whom is he talking with nick listened then he laughed you fooled yourself there patsy he said he's talking to a parrot it's one of his pets he has a good many patsy looked a little sheepish you can't blame me nick he said we must suspect everybody in such business as this isn't that right quite right responded the detective they went at once to the old dining hall colonel richmond presently joined them there to him nick frankly explained all the events of the previous night including the disguise which he had adopted in order not to appear in the ghost hunt in his own person in return the colonel confessed the facts of his visit to the medium he said that he had done it secretly because horace and his daughter so strongly objected to his seeing those who held communion with the other world as to the woman who had met the colonel he said that he did not know her name she was veiled all the time and did not speak to him 
After the disturbance, he was careful not to call it an expose. This woman had led him to the carriage, and they had hastened away. Such was the strength of his delusion that he still believed that the manifestations he had seen at that house were genuine. He would not accept Nick's version of the affair. "'I have made up my mind what to do,' he said. "'My decision is unalterable. I shall buy the jewels and give them to Millie Stevens. I believe that in so doing I shall carry out my aunt's wishes.' It was a queer case for Nick. He had followed up many crimes, and had recovered a hundred fortunes in stolen property, but this was the first time that he had seen a robbery going on before his eyes, and been unable to prevent it. His pride was aroused. There was no use in combating the colonel's delusion. Of that he felt sure. The man must be humored in order to secure delay. "'Colonel Richmond,' said Nick, "'I wish to suggest to you a final test in this matter. "'It will settle all doubt and satisfy me thoroughly.' If you can convert me to your views, I should think the achievement might be worth the trouble. It would, indeed, cried the colonel, with sparkling eyes. Nick, with his usual tact, had hit upon exactly the right course. You believe, of course, he said, that the spirits of the dead cannot be stopped by bolts and bars. The colonel smiled and nodded assent. The most of the jewels in dispute are, I believe, in the vaults of a safe deposit company, Nick continued. Very well. My test is this. Name some article of the collection which you are sure is there, and see whether your aunt will transfer it to Miss Stevens's possession. It should be as easy for a ghost to take anything from the vaults of a safe deposit company as from that dressing table upstairs. Will you consent to the test? The colonel stood irresolute. Consent, said a voice, as of a woman standing beside them. Yet the three men were the only human beings in that room. The voice came from that screen, cried Patsy, and he leaped toward the old fireplace. He tore away the screen. No one was there. It was my aunt's voice, said the colonel calmly. I consent. Consent to what? asked Horace Richmond, entering the room at that moment. The test was explained to him. Good, he whispered to Nick. A fine idea. Name a piece of jewelry, said the detective to the colonel. Among all her wonderful collection, replied Colonel Richmond, speaking slowly, there was no piece of which she was more proud than the gold clasp, studded with diamonds, which you will remember, Horace. I do, responded Horace. There is an old tradition about it. A remote ancestor of ours is said to have brought it from the Holy Land at the time of the Third Crusade. An ancient family, said Nick. You have a right to be proud of your ancestry. I accept the article named as the one upon which the test shall be made, provided that you are sure that it is now in the vault. Perfectly certain, responded the colonel. I put it there with my own hands. Nobody else was present, except an officer of the company and my daughter. It is utterly impossible that the jewel can have been removed. I will take that for granted, said Nick. 
the conditions of the test are that this piece shall not be found in the vault when we visit it this afternoon and that it shall be afterward discovered in the possession of milly stevens granted said the colonel and then in a clear voice as if he wanted to be sure that there was no misunderstanding in spirit land he announced the conditions of the test end of section eighteen recording by nancy cochran gergen gilbert arizona